thank you for joining us. Uh, I have a bio here for for Pedro, but I'm not necessarily going to go through it. I think a lot of you know who he is, but we also have a nice introduction uh, that we'll we'll get to in a second on the video. I I do out of his bio, I do love as a lifelong Chicagoan. You know, when Pedro came here as a as a child, and um, to to come full circle and be a, a CPS student and. And we worked together years and years ago, um, you know, at the city and and to go. And then he's gone and seen, seen these other schools and these other districts around the country, uh, taking what he's known and learned as a Chicagoan and from some of these other cities and brought it back here. Uh, I think we're really lucky to to have Pedro uh, and, and a, a, you know, true Chicagoan who's um, hopefully going to take us to the next level here of CPS. So... Um, I, I won't get uh, any further into his bio because I, I will let uh, our, our mayor, Lori Lightfoot, um, introduce him via video. So please direct your attention towards the screen. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I'm Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of introducing Pedro Martinez, CEO of Chicago Public Schools, for his first appearance at the City Club of Chicago. I know that you will make him feel welcome and that you'll be eager to hear all he has to share about the state of our city's public schools. But before that, indulge me and let me tell you a little bit more about him. When I appointed CEO Martinez to his role last summer, I did so with great confidence. His experience leading large, diverse school systems and his unique understanding of our CPS students' lived experiences due to being a CPS graduate himself, made him the ideal person to lead our schools. In his first year alone, he has done a simply exemplary job. CEO Martinez joined CPS just as the Delta variant of COVID-19 was rapidly spreading throughout our communities. He embraced his challenge head on, prioritizing the health and safety of our students and staff, and working tirelessly to keep our children in their classrooms for in-person learning. Managing CPS's response to the pandemic has and must remain a top priority. However, it's only a fraction of what CEO Martinez has accomplished since joining the district. In less than one year, he has successfully expanded key programs like Opportunity Schools, Universal Pre-K, and Choose to Change. He engaged all CPS stakeholders around the creation of a new academic calendar that addresses unfinished learning for our students and gives our teachers more opportunities for professional growth. He's developing a multi-year blueprint for the future of CPS schools, which I'm sure he's going to be excited to share with you today. CEO Martinez has been an outstanding addition to our city's leadership. And I look forward to seeing how his vision and expertise will advance our district in the school year to come. So thank you all for being here today. And now, without further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce Pedro Martinez, son of Chicago and CEO of Chicago Public Schools. You know, the mayor doesn't give a lot of compliments. So I'm a little taken aback because I had not seen the video beforehand. Um, so I'm a little bit emotional. So you got to give me a second. It's been 15 years since I attended a city club event because I left Chicago for 12 years. 
And I remember a much smaller room. <laughs> I really do. So again, it's just I'm trying to, you know, get my emotions in order. Um, so first of all, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, and I'll just tell you, I have a lot to cover, and I have a very short time frame. So you're going to have to bear with me, because there's a lot. There's a lot going on. Um, and I'm especially excited about to share with you what we plan for the future. But we have to make sure we acknowledge what is happening today. Uh, because that's where my staff are, are at today, is making sure that we're ready today. Good afternoon, everyone. I want to thank you all for being here today and thank the City Club for this opportunity to speak. I'm almost one uh, I'm almost, almost, almost at the one-year point of being a COCPS. I always say, if, it, if it's less than a year, I'm still new, folks, and I'm still using it. I started at the end of September. I got, a, I got another month. I got another month. I'm very grateful to be able to share what we've achieved so far and what we hope to accomplish in the future. I want to start by thanking Mayor Leifert for her kind video message and her leadership through the past year, it's been gratifying to know that our city is led by a mayor who is fully invested in the success of our schools and students. I want to thank our board members and President Valle's leadership and support. And finally, I want to recognize everyone in the CPS community, from my senior leadership team, which, please, I would ask my team members, please stand up. I want to applaud you. <laughs> Folks. I, I would put this team against anybody in the country. Anybody in the country. By the way, on average, I would say tenure, 20 years in CPS. With some new individuals and some, uh, but many experienced individuals. But we have a depth of talent. So I want to recognize my senior leadership team and our school leaders and our educators and all of our operationals team. All who have been working tirelessly to ensure that we have a great start to the new school year. Supporting our students is a team effort, and I am fortunate to have such an outstanding team. The first day of school, Monday, August. I didn't hear you guys, August. Less than a week away. This is an ideal time to discuss the state of Chicago public schools. I first want to touch on the district's trajectory over the past decade highlighting the strides the CPS has made in helping more students graduate position for success in college, career, and in civic life. Next, I want to talk about the COVID-19 pandemic, both the challenges that it has presented our district, but also the opportunities, the ways that it has helped us, the way it's helped us to reimagine how to support our students and our families. Then after outlining some highlights and lessons learned from my first school year as CEO, first school year, not first year, first school year, I want to share my vision for the future of CPS, including the tenets of a three-year blueprint that will guide our work during the upcoming school year and beyond. Everything that CPS has accomplished over the past year is a great sign to a strong start to the upcoming school year and even a greater things to come beyond that. And I'm going to repeat this, ladies and gentlemen, this upcoming year will be our strongest year ever. Before I talk about any of that, I'd like to share a bit of my own story and how I've been connected to CPS my entire life. So if you're wondering, that's fifth grade. We're Miss Tapia. I immigrated to Chicago from Mexico with my family at the age of five. I was a, ki uh, I was a kid from the inner city, and I attended CPS schools. I graduated from Benito Juarez in a high school in Pilsen. My parents, with a second grade education, didn't understand the educational landscape very well. Remember, they were recent immigrants. So my CPS teachers and counselors 
were instrumental in helping me reach my full potential. Many of those teachers were tough, by the way. You know, they could do things in that time that you couldn't do today. <laughs> you know this. Anybody who went to school in the 70s, you remember this. <laughs> but they saw something in me that I could not see myself. Their tough love pushed me to take more advanced classes and to set ambitious goals for the future. I became the first in my family to graduate from college. And after working in the private sector and in the nonprofit world, I turned to education, and I, where I've been working out for the last 20 years. This includes previous stints in CPS from 2003 through 2009, where I worked in a number of roles, including the chief financial officer. My current role represents my third superintendency, leading large urban school districts. And even though I had a successful run uh, leading school districts in San Antonio and other parts of the country, I knew I wanted to return to my roots here in Chicago. I wanted the opportunity to directly and, uh, serve and support students who are growing up the same way I did. And I, and I want to, uh, once again, just thank Mayor Lightfoot and our board for having faith in my leadership and giving me that opportunity. When I returned uh, to CPS last year, it was an entirely different place than from the district I graduated from back in the 1980s. In fact, it was different from the CPS I left in 09. Before COVID, everybody, CPS was recognized, and I was watching this from other states. CPS was being recognized for its impressive and often unprecedented academic growth. Chicago students were learning and growing at a faster rate than other school districts in the country. Graduation rate was rising every year. By the way, I always give this homework assignment to my, to my students. I say, Talk to somebody who went to school in the 70s, 80s, 90s, or 2000s that didn't go to Lane Tech or Whitney Young, nothing like that in the schools. Ask them how many freshmen they started with and ask them how many seniors graduated. It was, we were at a time where we had high schools with under a 20% graduation rate, folks. But graduation rates were rising every year. More, more of these graduates were enrolling in college than ever before. And the class of 2019, pre-pandemic, they earned $1.5 billion with a B in college scholarships. That was 2019. And these gains didn't happen by chance. They were a result of strategic investments in academic support, social and emotional learning, restorative justice practices, which is across all of our high schools, everybody, and curriculum enhancements. But then the pandemic hit us. And when the pandemic began impacting uh, our school operations in March of 2020, so think about where you were at March of 2020, when we were just hearing about this pandemic. Thinking, oh, it's in China, it's not going to come over here, right? At that time, I was about five years into my role as the superintendent of the San Antonio Independent School District. Leading the district during the early stages of the pandemic gave me the experience and perspective to develop both strategies for mitigating its adverse effects on students here in Chicago. Both cities have large populations of low-income students and students of color. And as I reflect on how a year of remote learning must have impacted these, these students, these children, I can't help but think about my own childhood. I'm the oldest of 12 siblings. I grew up in a two-bedroom apartment. Just even thinking about how my family could adopt to a remote option, I just don't see, folks, how that would have happened. There were too many things that were beyond our control that I don't think we would have had a good experience for myself and my siblings. 
This mirrors the experience of many CPS students. So it should come as no surprise that the pandemic would adversely impact their attendance. We saw more chronic absenteeism, their social and emotional growth. Uh, we saw more students exposed to trauma and their academic progress. But these challenges are far from insurmountable. As I said a, a few minutes ago, I have an incredibly talented and hardworking team that I know is capable of helping our students to the strides, to taking our students to return to the strides that they were making before COVID-19. And it's gonna, it's gonna be a strong academic year, folks. I'm telling you now, this next year. We now have an opportunity to reimagine how we serve our students and families. From the beginning, one of the most apparent areas of growth was the use of technology in the classroom. Remember the time when most large districts didn't have enough devices for all children? And by the way, this had been an issue for years, for decades. Again, I've been doing this for 20 years. Every year was like, how do we get there? How do we get there? We would never get there. And what we saw by being able to provide devices to all students, we saw our students, even our youngest learners, become more comfortable using technology to learn. And CPS was able to provide a device to every student who needed one. And by the way, this will be going on forever. We will never have a student in CPS that doesn't have a device or have access to the internet ever again. The pandemic underscored the immense digital divide that was present in Chicago and across the country. And CPS responded by becoming a leader in providing no-cost internet access to families through our Chicago Connected program. Many families continue to take advantage of this program today. And remote learning also built the capacity of our educators. It was tough. It was a lot of work. But having a pivot to teaching in a new way, they were able to incorporate virtual resources and other strategies to increase student engagement in their instruction. In fact, many continue to utilize these tools even after students return back to the classroom. These opportunities are highlighted by the fact we did a survey with our students. And what our students told us is they felt more supported by their school communities during these last two years than even before the pandemic. But to be clear, the pandemic created many challenges for our students, our families and staff. Our academic achievement declined, especially among our youngest students. Achievement gaps for our Latinx and black students persisted, while our overall academic uh, metrics peaked in 2019, pre-pandemic. So when I started as CEO back in September 2021, September 29th to be exact, I was entering the district that was trying to do two things. Accelerate the learning that students, for students that, so they could, they, they could remain on track and continue to build on, and to continue to build on the opportunities presented to us by the pandemic. In retrospect, we learned a lot of lessons. When I reflect on the past year, I feel proud of our district's resilience and the decisions we made to support schools in every part of Chicago. The safety of our students and staff against COVID was my top priority. So from the beginning, my team made improvement after improvement. And you guys saw me every week with Dr. Awadi, you know, giving updates. Increasing the access to weekly COVID-19 testing. Improving the capacity to perform timely contact tracing. Reaching an agreement with the Chicago Teachers Union that ensured that all of our students would continue learning in person inside our school buildings. We also were very thoughtful about meeting communities where they are when it came to vaccinations. We hosted regional, uh, four regional clinics throughout the entire year. And we had vaccination events that were, that were mobile at, that we went to schools. In total, 
We served more than 24,000 individuals at 1,900 COVID-19 vaccination events. The success of these strategies has informed our COVID-19 protocols for the upcoming school year, which I'll talk about a little later. What is encouraging is that we ended the school year on a very strong note, ladies and gentlemen, stabilizing most of our academic metrics while beginning an upward trajectory in some areas that I will make some, some great announcements. First of all, we increased our participation in advanced placement uh, courses to pre-pandemic levels. We saw a big decline and we brought that back. More importantly, we saw, we saw an increased success rate of students obtaining college credit. In addition, in addition, the class of 2021 was our sixth straight graduating class to earn more than a billion dollars in college scholarships. But here's the big announcement. For the class of 22, we already know they're going to exceed over $1.5 billion. It will be our highest class ever of generating scholarships. And what's truly exciting, the total is still growing. We will continue to collect data for the next month, and, and you can anticipate that we'll be announcing even more substantial gains in scholarship offers, not just since last year, but since before the pandemic. We are positioning our district to be stronger. We're offering full-day pre-K uh, full pre to all four-year-olds in our city. We have programs available in 64 of our 77 communities. By the way, parents, slots are still available. We're still registering. Not too late. In this summer, we offered a, a robust menu of academic and enrichment programming to ensure that students stayed engaged in learning events and learning was even was continued while school was out. By the way, everybody, we served over 91,000 students. Over 90% of our schools were open. It was a record. I'm also very proud of our continued expansion of the Opportunity, Opportunity Schools program. This initiative, this initiative provides targeted teacher recruitment and retention supports to schools that need it the most. We have schools that have a difficult time attracting teachers, and this is an effort funded by the Crown Foundation and other foundations that really support us to support these schools. We've also been very strategic about investing in programs to keep our most vulnerable students safe. Our Safe Passage program keeps students safe walking from and to school. Our Choose to Change program which provides high-risk youth with mentorship and behavioral health sessions, a new program called Back to Our Future, which targets students who have been disengaged from school for a significant period and need intensive supports to get back on track. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, these programs, there's nothing like this in the nation. We're one of the few cities in the country that is making sure that we are, are re-engaging our students that have left our system or have been disengaged. By the way, many of them go into the justice system. Beyond keeping them healthy and safe, which is our district's top priorities, our ultimate goal for each of our students is they graduate CPS ready to, ready to succeed in college and in their future careers. We continue to make progress in this area through the Chicago Roadmap, a comprehensive five-year strategy that strengthens our district partnership with the City Colleges of Chicago to make transition to post-secondary opportunities as seamless as possible. The Roadmap outlines an intense set of supports meant to increase not only college enrollment, but also college completion. We've also taken inspiration from other districts, including my former state, as we look to expand P-TECH programs here in Chicago that will be a key, and this will be a key initiative as part of our reimagined work that I'm going to present later. These are programs, and I want our employers to hear this, these are programs that enable high school students to earn college credit hours 
up to an associate's degree in industry certifications in areas like advanced manufacturing, technology, healthcare. We have, thank you. We haven't been making any strides on our own. Throughout the past school year, CPS has been very intentional about listening to our communities before we make any key decision. One example to our engagement, and the mayor brought, you know, mentioned this, was our efforts around the district calendar. For the first time, thousands of students, staff, families, and community partners helped inform our decision to start the school year on Monday, August 22nd. So what was interesting is that uh, when our high school students learned that we could end the semester cleanly before Christmas break, high school, you know, the students which drove a lot of their, a lot of the survey was high school students, they were immediately, you know, in, in support of this, of this calendar. Our high school teachers were in support of this calendar. Principals overall were supporting this calendar. The only ones that were kind of going back and forth were our elementary teachers. But overall, you know, we had a huge support for the new calendar. Another way that our communities get involved in our schools is through our local school councils. And this year, everybody, we saw the highest engagement in more than a decade for both uh, in our LSE elections, for both candidates running for LSEs and our parents and community members coming out to cast their votes. During my first year as CEO, visiting schools and connecting with students directly has been has been my favorite part of the job. There's nothing like everybody like connecting with students and talking to staff. One of the most consistent themes, though, that I heard from talking to students this year was the importance of prioritizing mental health. And as parents, you know this as well. We've taken this feedback extremely seriously, passing a comprehensive mental health and suicide prevention policy and launching a program called Please Stay which encourages students to reach out for support when they face mental health challenges. And parents, we want our students to know that they have a safe space in our schools. We want to continue to empower our schools to create robust behavioral health teams to ensure that all students have adults that they can turn to at school. Looking, looking at the next school year, I'm very proud of everything that CPS has accomplished over the past year. And I believe these accomplishments should give our families and communities confidence that the upcoming school year is going to be one of the district's best years yet. So let's talk about our approach for the upcoming school year. Our ultimate goal is that the 22-23 school year is a strong recovery year that brings the district back to its pre-pandemic upward trajectory through strategic investments and implementing best practices. In June, our district successfully passed a $9.4 billion budget with a B. The budget includes $240 million more in funding for schools, including significant per-pupil increases that provide universal foundational resources for the first time, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time, that will begin to reduce class sizes, will eliminate split-grade classrooms. Anybody went to CPS where I was in third grade, I had fourth-grade students, I had classes with three, even two grades of students in the same, three grades in the same. I mean, we, this has been a thing in CPS forever. We're eliminating that unless schools are choosing to do that to accelerate learning. An expansion of proven, proven programs such as the arts, out-of-school time, and summer enrichment program. Every school now has to have access to the arts. No exception. Our chief education officer and myself, we're monitoring this, right, every single day. Intervention teachers, everybody at every single school that are freed up to support children that need extra help. And then one of my favorite programs, the CPS Tutor Corps. This is a program that we created at CPS, $25 million, where we have tutors that we hire, colleges, retired teachers, many individuals that join us to do intensive tutoring in, in math and literacy. Our schools love it, by the way. They love it. 
And we thank the Chicago Education Lab for their partnership in this important initiative. And then, of course, more supports than ever for our diverse learners and our English language learners. This budget also included funding to support more than 600 additional teachers and hundreds of additional staff, social workers, school nurses, counselors, and security guards. It also contained additional funding for a universal social emotional learning curriculum and proactive measures to improve school safety, as well as the expansion of equity grants to support our district's smallest schools. Ladies and gentlemen, our budget reflects our continued efforts to expand programs and initiatives that we know will help students, students thrive, especially in our highest need communities. And we know there's a lot of talk about staffing, right? This is a very tight labor market. All of us, you know, as employers, we struggle with this. We're one of the largest in the, in the state, if not the largest. So equitably supporting each of our schools means that, that they're ins we're ensuring that they're adequately staffed. Last week, we brought our principals together in a summit, and we asked them, what are you the most anxious about for the upcoming school year, and what can the district do to ease that anxiety? The most common response was adequate staffing, which is a stress point being felt across districts across the country. We know that there's fewer young people going into teaching, along, and we have more, more staff retiring, more educational staff retiring. And we know this is a very tight labor market, one that we have not seen like this in a very long time, if ever. So this is creating challenges for all districts in the country. To help solve this problem, the CPS Talent Office launched the Teach Chicago Initiative. By the way, this is one of my favorite initiatives. These are our high school students that are going to become future teachers. We have them on a path. As a result of this innovative program, we made consistent progress towards staffing goals, hiring more teachers, especially for high-need positions in high-need schools as well as hiring more substitute teachers, especially those who, who can be cadre subs, who serve our schools for longer assignments, and we have more diversity in our teacher workforce. I'm pleased to share that we have more licensed teachers today in our schools than we did a year ago. And we've hired more teachers, uh, more new teachers at this point than any other time in, in, in our history. In addition, half of our new hires are Black and Latinx. That's up from 33% up from five years ago. It's not just about the equity of the equality of opportunity for educators. It's also about ensuring that our students, over 80% who are children of color, have role models and educators who have similar lived experiences. Partly due to the historic investments, and I want to just, you know, you won't be surprised about this. We are going to see a slight uptick in our vacancy rate, but it's just because we've added so many more resources. Now let's, now let's talk about our COVID-19 protocols. We will build on the COVID-19 test provided to CPS students and staff last year by continuing to offer in-school surveillance testing. And for those who opt in, by the way, everybody, we're one of the few districts in the country that's still doing this, but it just reduces the anxiety of our staff. We're able to get reimbursed by the federal government. We'll also, we'll also be con continuing to connect students and families to vaccine opportunities through our four regional clinics, and we have 22 school-based uh, health centers. We have amazing partners like Rush and other health providers. And we will continue our mobile vaccine program. Masks will be continue to be strongly recommended. Like you look around the room, who's wearing masks? For all staff and students during the school year. And we've replaced all the filters uh, in all of our air purifiers. Our district is also in the process. And ladies and gentlemen, they're working from 6 in the morning to 12 night, cleaning the schools to make sure they're ready for Monday. Student safety will always be top of mind for our families. And as a district, we must be quick to respond. We know that this, this is a major concern for parents, especially in the wake of tragedies like what we saw last year in Uvalde, Texas. 
Ovalde, by the way, is a, is considered a rural district, you know, where I was at in San Antonio, but not too far away, about an hour and a half away from San Antonio. Many staff that used to work in San Antonio were in Uvalde. So this, this was very personal for me when this incident happened. We must be prepared for the unexpected. We're grateful to our city's first, our city's first responders in assessing potential threats. We partner with our first responders and they support our schools in conducting mandatory emergency drills. Our district has also made additional investments in personnel, equipment, technology to enhance our physical safety of our school buildings. This is a top priority for us. What sets CPS apart from many other school districts is that we take a holistic approach to what we, what we mean it feels to be safe at school. So as part of our return to school this year, we will be sharing new resources with staff and families around this holistic plan, safety plan tomorrow and making sure that our school communities know that CPS is fully prepared to give our students a welcoming environment where children feel a sense of belonging and can focus on their learning and achievement. As part of, this, uh, as part of, of our district's whole, whole school safety framework, which will continue to, this is part of the whole school safety framework, which will continue to evolve with our, the needs of our students. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna switch now to the work coming ahead in the future. And this is a preview for you. Um, so we've been, uh, we've been working on our blueprint. Our blueprint uh, is going to be our guide for the next several years. The blueprint focuses on three areas, academic progress, operational excellence, and building trust. It builds off of our strategic plan in 2019. Within each of these focus areas, our goal will be twofold. First, we want to recommit to best practices that will reestablish a standard of excellence in all schools. This will include transparent plans of action that allow us to report on progress consistently. Our investments, by the way, our budget, our investments for next year, it's aligned to every initiative that will strengthen our district in that area of academic progress. It's all by design, folks. And then operational excellence. Let me define what that means. It is ensuring that school teachers and leaders can focus on core academics, ensuring that our students are supported while functions like facility cleaning, I know we have Airmark here, maintenance, transportation, food service, Airmark again, technology support are executed at maximum effectiveness. And we're building trust by engaging more consistently with our students, staff, and families. I look forward to sharing the results of this engagement with you in the future, highlighting steps that we're taking to make a stronger CPS. So let me touch it now in a couple of minutes on our, blue, on our reimagine initiatives. I will tell you, this is the work that really excites me. Um, so we've identified 10 initiatives right now. And again, this is not all inclusive, um, that we will be re-managing directly with our school communities, both this school year and beyond. They include working with communities across Chicago to reinvest and plan for the future of our neighborhood schools. Because ladies and gentlemen, we need to make sure, without exception, that every neighborhood in our city has schools that provide high-quality academic and enrichment offerings that are attractive to our students, that are attractive to our students. I'm going to keep saying that because that's a non-negotiable. We will also be taking steps to reimagine our admissions and enrollment policies and processes to ensure that they're, that they're responsible, accessible, and equitable for all families. I don't know about you. My child my child's about to go to sixth grade. I'm already hearing from, like, oh, you know, when he gets to eighth grade... You know what happens, all the anxiety, right, about where they're going to go to high school. And we also look 
forward to expanding career awareness and exploration programs, real-world learning opportunities aligned to workforce needs, and early college opportunities to all students in grades 6, 12, with supported access to these experiences in targeted groups. So ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you where I see education going. The future of education is one where our middle school students are getting access to high school credit while they're in middle school. They're also getting awareness of industries, of pathways that are ahead of them. And by the time they get to high school, they are earning college credit. But they're earning college credit in pathways. So, for example, imagine in our amazing city, the strongest industries that are here. Construction. So partnering with the trades for apprenticeships. Working with, we're right now talking to Amazon and Accenture. Pathways in IT, in information technology, in cybersecurity, in healthcare, as well as in education. Our Teach Chicago tomorrow. So these, this is the future of education. And what we want is to connect these students with also experiences. So not only are they getting access to the content, the courses, by the way, in partnership with the community colleges as part of our roadmap, in partnership with, with uh, higher ed institutions, four-year universities, and then helping them get the experiences through job shadowing, internships, because our students need to see themselves in these roles. They need to see themselves that they can do that type of role, whether it's an engineer, whether it's a computer programmer, a teacher, even working in the trades in these very well-paying jobs. They need to see themselves. And we will continue to refine our approach using school information to, prom to promote accountability ensure, and ensure continuous improvement efforts to ensure that they're meeting the needs of our students and families with a continued emphasis on outcomes. We're not leaving that, folks, but also our practices making sure that we're looking at leading indicators that will then uh, result in success. So we want to change accountability even to the point where not only are we looking at these outcomes, but we're seeing what's happening in classrooms and the experiences that our students are feeling. We will work with our schools, uh, we will work with our, with our, with our schools uh, so that to ensure that all diverse learners have a rich and rewarding academics as well as extracurriculars, We'll ensure that our grading policies and procedures and practices are equitable, transparent, and consistent. And when it comes to academics, we will also, um, in addition, to, in addition to academics, we want to expand and strengthen world and dual language programs. Imagine if the city said, going forward, every student graduating out of CPS is going to be biliterate. They're going to speak at least more than one language. Think about that kind of statement. Through our world language programs and dual language. That's what we want to do, everybody. And we will work towards a goal of ensuring that students are proficient readers by third grade, designing and implementing a continuous connected system of early literacy supports, taking the best practices of literacy and beginning with a strong early, early childhood, uh, with strong early childhood programs. Finally, we will ensure that all students are welcome connected to resources and supported across our school settings with responsible programming and school models that are specifically designed to support students who are the most in need. The programs I described earlier, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, choose to succeed, um, these are programs that don't exist in other cities, and these are programs that are designed for students that leave our system, that are significantly at risk, so they have somewhere to go. Because the challenge in, our, in many of our K-12 systems, you drop out, there's no easy way for you to come back. There's just no easy way. And guess what happens? Then you, you wind up you know, taking other steps, 
that are not, not as, not as positive. And this will also include invest, continued investments in out-of-school time and summer programming that's responsive to students' interests and needs. Parents, you will see a record number of after-school programs this year full of enrichment as well as academic support that will actually build on what we did this summer. In closing, I hope that my remarks today have provided a clear understanding of the current state of the Chicago Public Schools as well as the key goals we have for the future. I look forward to continuing to share the progress we are making to better serve our students, families, and communities. This is an exciting time to be part of CPS, and I am confident, I am confident that the excitement will only grow in the years to come. Thank you, everybody. I'd be happy to take questions. Thank you. Put some water if you need it. I'll give you a minute to catch your breath. Thank you. You clearly have a lot going on and uh, a lot to do, but I love the enthusiasm and uh, excitement moving forward. So thank you for those remarks. Real quick, I want to, as, as we collect questions, Amanda's here. We've got some staff around. If you have questions, please uh, direct them towards the front here. Uh, we have a few from online and, and a couple of others in the audience that I'll get to in a second. Uh, but it's always good to get a sense of who's in the room. So I, I do want to just... Um, you know, we, we did, if we could just get a raise of hands, anyone who works for CPS, anyone who's on the team, uh, Pedro mentioned his team members here and, and, and here. Thank you again for all your, your doing. And, um, in making this plan come together, come to fruition. How about any, uh, foundations? I know there are a lot of private funders here of the schools, foundations or partner agencies, um, any of you, any of you here, raise your hand, please. Partner agencies, foundations—that's a lot that can't be uh, accomplished without without your help. Uh, any students or former students or parents of students? <laughs> what makes the system go right? Um, and then I, I assume a lot of partners, vendors, anyone that does does business with CPS. Uh, show us a little hands, okay? Um, Great. Who, in general, considers themselves supporters of CPS or understands the importance of the CPS for our city's future? So you've got you've got plenty of supporters here, but they do still have some hardball questions. Yeah. So we'll, <laughs> um, thank you. I'm, I'm going to go through a couple that just came to my attention, but I'll start with one from a member. And again, please, if you're if you're not a member of the City Club, it's very easy to do so. Um, uh, let's see, Ron Viejo, from, uh, who, who does some consulting, is, is wondering, and you did touch on this with uh, safety, but maybe take a, a minute because of all that's going on and, and talk a little more about what CPS is doing to prevent gun violence and keeping students safe. I know we'll hear more about it tomorrow also. So, so I will tell you, and this is where I'm very proud of you know, being supported by our mayor. This is not just a CPS issue. This is a, this is a citywide initiative. What our students tell us is they feel safe in schools, but they struggle with feeling safe in the communities. So we are actually partnering with our partners, including Commissioner Brown at the libraries, uh, our commissioners at the parks. We are partnering around how do we leverage our resources to make sure that students feel safe, not just in our schools, but outside of our schools. I think this is an area that we're gonna have to continue to need a lot of help, um, including from the community. Our schools though, we are not, you know, we're investing, like I said, in technology, 
in equipment, in personnel, we are not holding back at all because our students can't learn if they don't feel safe. So we're going to make sure we own that. But we also want to partner with, continue to partner with our city agencies and the community as a whole because we have to find ways to make the community safe. One great example, we have amazing park programs. And one of the things we learned during the summer was that some of the children didn't feel safe going to the park and coming back home. So we took our safe passage workers. Which, by the way, it's an amazing crew. Like it's a, it's just, and we could fill up this whole room with our safe passage workers. It's an amazing crew. We leveraged them for the park district programs, so that the children could go, especially the programs in the evening. So those are just some examples and ideas that that we're going to continue to explore. Great. Okay, Christy, Christy Yusita uh, from the Brinson Foundation has a question. Um, about early college, and, and can you talk about any plans for expanding the early college access for high schoolers? It seems CPS behind other districts in dual credit or the dual enrollment where high schoolers can graduate with college credits, right? So this is a passion of mine, everybody. So, you know, I'll say, I'll say this. You know, you know we, we all grew up, right? And we, I think we asked, we've been asking the wrong questions, so we asked the question to our students, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? All of us got those questions. We talk about within our world of education, college versus careers. And I'm like, versus or? Um, when I talk to college presidents and I talk to employers and I ask them, what are they looking for? They gave me the same exact answers. There's no or there. And then the other thing I would tell you that I've learned this in 20 years, there's nothing like being college and career ready than being in college and in careers, being in it. And what does that mean? Students taking college courses while they're still in high school, having uh, experiences in workplaces. They can see what it looks like. There is nothing like it, folks. And we've seen across the country, this is the future of education. So we've already put an ambitious goal. I took my team to uh, my former state, San Antonio, my district, and Dallas were the leads in leading this work in the state and nationally. By the way, programs are now in every high school. And I said, this is where we're going. And I took principals. I took the chancellor. Chancellor said from Chelsea Salgado, he said, I'm in, Pedro. I am in. We're going to do this. We're even connecting with UIC and IIT. We're going to bring other uh, Northeastern. We're going to bring our higher ed partners. What I need help with is our employers. We need to leverage more of our employers. And by the way, I'm not looking for you to write a donation. I want your expertise. I want to have your thinking at the table what is it that we need for our students to be prepared for while they're still in high school? Because, by the way, we can provide all the supports for them. We don't have to wait till they finish high school. We support them while they're still in high school. Get them these experiences. And, and I'll tell you, our completion rates, our diversity, the workforce needs. Sorry, I knew I, this was going to be the last, but I can't help it. This is an area that I am passionate. We will, folks, we can do this. We can do this. It's happening in other cities. They got nothing on Chicago. Nothing. Absolutely. We do. We do have more. We got a couple more minutes too. Um, Jane Mensinger, a uh, couple minutes. Lots, lots of interest here. Um, communities uh, in in let's see. Oh, your affiliation is communities in in schools of Chicago. How can we collectively best support the mental health of our young people? So just like safety, I would, I would um, ask that this is a community effort. So we're going to do our part by having more social workers, more counselors, more nurses. We're doing that already, folks. Um, the, the challenge that we see is, and we're training our teachers 
so that they're trauma-informed, so they can identify children that are struggling. Children, frankly, that we're seeing that could be at high risk of things like suicide. During the pandemic, many districts saw more suicides, more child abuse, more trauma than ever. It's just a true fact. And so we're now dealing with that. Uh, we're working with, with Dr. Awadi in the Department of Health, who's establishing resources in the community. Because one of the needs that we have, and I'm so glad we have uh, Laurie's Children's Hospital, is to leverage the resources we have in the city specifically for mental health. Communities and schools is amazing because they're already in, uh, in almost, they serve almost 200 of our schools, and they're a great referral source. But again, we need to build what they're referring to. So in other words, the services that exist, because for so many of our families, first of all, mental health is still not easy to talk about. It's just not easy. Second, we need acute services to be able to be provided. So this is an ongoing, pro, uh, you know, it's going to be an ongoing um, area that we just want to partner with you on. But we're going to do our part. But I, I need this to be a citywide effort because the need is just so great. Great. There are a couple of different questions that I'll, I'll try to combine um, about special education, uh, charter and blended program, IEPs. Um, apparently, someone here mentioned that they're getting a response saying they will be dealt with after September 16th. I can't imagine that being the case. But could you, um, could you talk a little bit more about the special education program and, uh, and your, your priorities there? So one of our reimagined initiatives, and it is by design, and one of our top ones is going to be reimagining our diverse learner programs. And what I want is to bring the best practices in terms of academic and instructional practices to our diverse learners. You know, we have children with multiple different, different disabilities, but there's some amazing practices that I've seen firsthand. In addition, for us to get stronger on the services, uh, whether it's the therapy services or just services that are required for the children. So just know, parents, this is a, this is a passion of mine. Um, my children have 504s, so, so they, don't, they don't have IEPs, but they have 504s. I've had family members with IEPs. I understand how parents have to become the advocates. I get it. I really do. I get it. And so what I want is to make it easier for our parents to make sure that we can work together to improve these programs because we got to do this together, right? I mean, and it's and it truly when it comes to partnering with parents, there's no stronger opportunity than with our parents or diverse learners because you're in it. You're in it very deep and you have to be. So I want to make sure that we are equally being a, a strong partner with you. So just know that is a commitment that Reimagine Initiative, we're going to engage parents. And we're looking at every aspect of our diverse learner services because I want to make sure that we're one of the best in the country. And let's define what that standard is together. Great. And a, a couple of questions that I'll also combine on uh, enrollment. And this, uh, this one, David Piper, I believe his name is, um, also not a member, so please sign up. <laughs> And then you can join us next week and uh, and the weeks after. Um, how, can, how can you uh, maybe talk about enrollment in general? Because there was a question about declining enrollment. Um, but but specifically, as uh, school choice expands, neighborhood and community-based schools are supported. How can you make sure they're supported in the face of declining school enrollment? So I'll just say this to you. So I was in Clark County. I was the deputy superintendent there. Wonderful district, very fast growing, by the way. Schools are huge. So the average high school had 3,000 students. That was the average high school, ladies and gentlemen. Elementaries, over 1,000. Middle schools, close to 2,000. That was where the average is. And I just remember, and I was leading all the academics, and I just remember, God, how do I 
counter the structural challenges, right? How do I make sure that it's that the instruction and academics are personalized for students in such big structures? God bless the staff, by the way. Hardworking teachers with large class sizes. I mean, just working really hard. Here we come to Chicago. And let's face it, we have seen enrollment declines over the past decade. We have under-enrolled uh, schools. I see it as an opportunity. I really do. I see it as an opportunity to create innovative school models. So remember what I said about uh, college credit in early college? Having schools that, imagine a high school that is not big, maybe five, 600 students, 700, that is focused maybe on early college where students are getting associate degrees, and it's in a particular pathway. Aviation, cybersecurity, construction science. By the way, I've done it. I've done it. I've seen it. I took my team to go see them. That is an opportunity that exists. And then imagine elementary schools that are also very personalized, that also can also build those pipelines, right? Because children are not born in high school. So ladies and gentlemen, I see opportunities. I also see an opportunity with our blueprint to stabilize our enrollment over the next three years. But it's going to take us a little bit of time. Why? We have lower birth rates. We have more and more families living in the suburbs. That is a challenge, again, citywide that I put to all of us. How do we make our city, how do we make sure our city stays attractive to be able to live in our city? Right? That's a challenge we all have to kind of tackle together. Uh, but just know, I see the opportunities by, because we're already a strong district. We can make it much stronger. I think that's going to stabilize our enrollment. And more importantly, we're going to see even stronger choices for our children. Because, by the way, going to your neighborhood school is a choice as well. Right? It's a choice as well. I just want to make sure you have that choice. And it's a high-quality choice, as well as your other choices. That's what the goal is. So we have a whole host of other questions, but unfortunately, I, I want to make sure we get out on time. So uh, we'll end it there. And, and thank you very much again for all that you've done and all that uh, you are planning to do.